Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. We've got a great show for you. We're going to talk a little about soil compaction. But we'd also be happy to take your phone call and discuss anything going on on your farm or answer any of your agronomic questions. Our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD, and our phone lines will be open all throughout the show. Again, that's 844-442-4743. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. So when it comes to this whole compaction thing, this is something we've been talking about a lot in the last two years. Unfortunately, as farmers, we get uh, we ha- we have have to make difficult decisions, and sometimes both things are losers. In other words, I say, oh, like right now, uh, literally today on our farm, it's a little wet out there. But it's not bad, right? But you go, you know, it's getting really late. We're going to have freeze up pretty quick. So my choice is, potentially, either wait clear until spring and hope that things turn out better than they are now, but they might not. Or I go out there and I will most likely create a little bit of compaction. And that's the situation that farmers are constantly fighting. So today we want to talk about how do you alleviate some of these compaction issues and how can you make your soil more resilient to begin with? So the first two things I want to mention today are tile and calcium. And if you've got those two things in great shape, then yes, you can still create compaction. Absolutely. But you're going to minimize the compaction damage that you're doing well, out it, there. It also gives you a little more of a window because you you mentioned uh, it's it's rarely ideal and everything's just perfect, but it does give you a little more window of, hey, it dries out just a little bit quicker. The soil is just a little bit easier to work with and every little bit counts. So anyway, with the tile, the reason why we talk about that so much is on average, farmers are doing a lot less tillage today than they did 10 years ago and dramatically less tillage than farmers did 50 years ago. Well, if you're going to do less tillage, that means the soil is going to be holding more moisture. Okay, So it's even more important than ever to keep the water table down. And one of the things I'll occasionally bring up to people is, you know, like even here in South Dakota, where it's traditionally been considered really dry, do you know that we've found some old clay tile lines dug in the ground at about six feet deep, uh, literally on some ground that we own. I didn't know it was there, found it. And we go, let's think back to when this got put in. Well, it was put back, put in back in the early 1900s. You know what kind of equipment they used to put that in? They used the good old fashioned back. It was labor, manual labor. And just think about the work that those men had to do digging tile in six feet deep in the ground <laughs> anymore people complain i think about my kids you know if i make them do some tiny little chore and they're complaining about that just imagine if your job every day was get up and you are a tile installer and your job is to go dig holes for eight hours or in it back then it was sun up to sundown every single day just imagine Well, if you think about that and all that they had to go through to put that in, probably spending some of their last dollars on the tile, just they knew the importance 100 years ago. 
it's even more important for us today. And we got fancy equipment to put it in. We can put in all kinds of tile, no problem. You don't even have to do any manual work anymore. And you're going to put the tile in way more accurately. It's going to last a long time. It's awesome. So anyway, tile number one, calcium number two. And the reason why I bring up calcium all the time is because I, this does not get stressed enough. And I went to college for four years too, to an ag college, and they never taught me this. I didn't learn it until afterwards. But calcium is a really big um, element. And so if you look at an individual piece of calcium, it is dramatically bigger than an individual piece of magnesium, for example. And those are the two dominant portions of almost all soils. It's calcium and it's magnesium. Well, the point is simply this. If you have lots of calcium, the big uh, molecule, then you're going to have better porosity in your soil. You're going to have more air getting down deeper in your soil. You're going to have better water flow through your soil. And what does that mean? That all leads to having less compaction. So those are the two big things that I wanted to highlight. I mean, I think most everybody knows if you have more organic matter in your soil as well, your soil is going to be more spongy. It's going to be more resilient. So I think most people know that. And obviously most people know about the tile thing, but the compaction and the relationship to calcium, Darren, to me, doesn't get talked about enough. Nope, that's important. What what does get talked about a lot, though, Brian, is tillage systems. And I, I know one thing that I hear guys that are in no-till say is, well, no-till is great for, uh, for eliminating compaction. And I would disagree on that. I think no-till is really good, and I think we do get some really nice soil structure built up over time. But I do think that compaction needs to be addressed before you go no-till. And, and we often see that. Guys that are successful no-tillers have done something with iron out in their field, digging in there, breaking up the compaction first, then going no-till. And you look at cover crops can definitely help. There's no question about that they can help. It's just slow. It's just not going to completely demolish stuff right away. So that's probably a controversial statement to some who are really passionate about no-till and cover crops. I love no-till and I love cover crops. I have no issue with that. I, I just think if you have a very big compaction issue out in a field, I really haven't seen anybody able to take out deep ruts and those types of things without using some iron. Yep, we just talked about that yesterday, as a matter of fact, and I said that was one of the issues we ran into, too, when we no-tilled for a long time. It never fixed our compaction problem, so I wish prior to starting no-till, we would have done that. So we ended up switching to strip-till. Since then, we've obviously taken care of our compaction issues and everything else, but it's it, that, that was one of the biggest frustrations for me. But anyway, uh, we're going to talk throughout the show today about fixing soil compaction, soil compaction in general. And again, we're more than happy to answer any questions that you've got, talk to you about anything that is going on in your farm. We get all kinds of emails and, and calls outside of the show every day as well. We appreciate all that. Uh, we here at Ag PhD are here to help. This year has been a really challenging year in a lot of farms throughout North America, uh, but we're going to continue talking all throughout this winter about how we can hopefully alleviate some of these problems like soil compaction and help you make 2020 your best year ever. Stay tuned. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic pesticides from Atticus LLC. Atticus offers a vast portfolio of branded generic fungicides, herbicides, and insecticides for row crops. Atticus puts grassroots experience and common sense logic to work to make product selection easier and on your terms. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. 
Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. Build with the best. When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton Advantage at every step, starting before the walls even go up. Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, we ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions. And we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better. Built stronger. Lasts longer. Learn more at MortonBuildings.com. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Clean fields and higher yields start with a strong battle plan. For soybean growers, there's no stronger ally than Sonic Herbicide. When applied pre-emerge, Sonic has proven to defeat yield robbers like water hemp, mare's tail, and giant ragweed. With long-lasting residual control, it keeps fighting to defend your field from invaders. Visit battleweeds.com to plan your attack against weeds. Always read and follow label directions. Sir, yes, sir! Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We're talking about, well, a big issue across North America this year, fixing soil compaction. A lot of ruts created over the last couple of years. A lot of challenges just getting out into some of these fields to to take care of some of these problems. So we're talking about what we're doing on our farm. We'd love to hear ideas that you've got on your farm, things that have worked over the years for you or things you're going to be trying this season. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head over to southern Minnesota. Oh boy, uh, these guys have had some challenges in that area for sure. we got Matt with us right now. Matt, how are you doing today? Good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me on. You bet. You bet. You know, it hasn't been a hasn't been an easy couple of years over uh, where you farm in Minnesota. Uh yeah, that's putting it lightly, but uh, yeah, for sure, been a struggle. Okay, so what do you what do you do about that? Because I know some of these fields. I, I mean, I've driven through your area a bunch of times this summer, and I just thought, wow, how did guys get stuff in? And then later in the season, I thought, you know, some of these crops actually don't look too bad out there. Yeah, uh, I guess, you know, we were given very tight windows to get a lot of work done. So, uh, you know, just being efficient with machinery and and just that's really it, I guess. When you got that little window, you had to just kind of stay with it, stay hammered down. You know, I, I notice as I come through southern Minnesota, I see some guys that are plowing. I see some guys that are strip tilling. I see a lot of uh, conventional till being done out there. What What systems do you use on your farm? Yeah, so I guess we've been strip tilling since 2009 with a, a soil warrior, and we're also no-tilling some soybeans, and it it does kind of stick out when you drive along here because it's it is kind of the a land of heavy tillage right in our area. Okay, so the strip till I, I have talked to guys in your area and say, oh, that can't work in our area. Obviously, you've been doing it for a while, so you must have figured it out. What are some of the tricks to to making the strip till work better for you? Well, I guess you know it all kind of starts. Well, first of all, being patient as possible, which people will probably laugh at, but 
that's that's part of it. If you have the choice, stay off of it. And at times that's just not possible, obviously. And then I guess we look at it a little differently, trying to be proactive with it instead of, you know, looking at trying to uh, fix a compaction issue or whatever. You know, we're trying to build our soil structure with less tillage and just allow that system system to work to where we build aggregates in our soil that allow trafficability. And, you know, wet soils go hand in hand with, uh, with compaction. That's how it happens, obviously. So tile drainage is a big deal. And, uh, yeah, and then by, by building those aggregates in our soil, you know, we get better infiltration and really makes, makes the tile work better than, in my opinion, than when we try and uh, do tillage, you know, when it's wet, we create horizontal layers and we get smearing and things of that nature. And I think uh, really hurt ourselves in the long run. You know, I, I like what you said there, Matt, about there's there's more than just one thing. It's not just like, oh, yeah, you just snap your fingers like this and it's going to be just perfect. It's a combination of a number of different things out there. What do you see in your in your crop rotation, too, as you've got uh, completely different plants when you're looking at soybeans and corn? Are you doing anything else, too? As far as crop rotation, anything differently? Right, right. Is it mainly just corn followed yeah. by soybeans? It has been. Uh, we've been. Uh, we do a fair amount of corn on corn as well. Um, we have. We've implemented cover crops into our system since 13. So not really a third crop, but uh, getting some different species and some diversity out that way. You know, getting some roots to to help with some of those issues. Um, so that that's kind of been been our system. Yeah, with the cover crop, what do you do? I, I know in your area there's a lot of guys that aren't doing cover crop and say, well, the season's too short for me. How, how are you guys making it work? Right. Um, you know, that is an issue, and we're still working with it. About half of our acres are cover cropped. We're still trying to find uh, the slam dunk. I don't know if there is such a thing. But we've, we've had pretty good luck um, flying cereal rye on into corn, you know, as the corn's just senescing, you know, R6 or whatever, brown silk. Um, getting that established and then planting green into that, allowing it to grow and use moisture and, uh, yeah, planting and then burning that down. And then I guess I've been, I've started interseeding while I'm side dressing at around that V3 to V5. And I've actually had really good luck with that. And that's kind of my preferred way right now because I can, I can do it myself and I'm, I'm already making that side dress pass anyway with my nitrogen. Interesting. Yeah, it's kind of neat to try try different things, especially in an area like where you're at, that it seems pretty standard. It's conventional tillage, it's corn and soybean rotation, and that's just the way it's done. But I, I applaud you, Matt. It's fun fun trying different stuff, and especially when you find out that it works and makes you some money as well. Yeah, yeah, it keeps it interesting and, you know, trying new things and trials on the farm always make it fun to look forward to. You know, harvest is like Christmas when you get that data back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, well, Matt, thank you so much. It was really nice talking to you today. Good luck here the rest of the fall. You bet. Thanks, guys. Let's head up uh, a little further north in Minnesota. We've got our friend Noah Nelson on. Of course, Noah does some uh, some ag drainage work up there, but also has to farm with his family, just like me. Uh, Noah, I feel for you. Sometimes you're about ready to have a little time apart. Now Thanksgiving's coming up. It's more time together. 
Yeah, absolutely. Especially a long fall like this one. Oh, man. We've just been waiting for 2020 for sure. Hey, we're talking compaction today, and I know a lot of times we talk to you about drainage, and certainly uh, improving the drainage helps you have a lot better shot of of not making a mess out there. But, you know, when you see these fields that you are tiling, are you pulling through a whole bunch of compaction? Have you noticed a lot of that this year? We actually have. Uh, There's a lot of hard pans out there. We've We've been pretty wet the last two, three years here, and it's just, it's really showing up. There's there's a lot of hard pans. You, the frost all, you know, we had a little bit of frost here last week, and then that's mostly out now, and, and it's still slabbing pretty good, so... You know, one one uh, farmer I was talking to, gosh, it's been 10, 15 years ago in southern Minnesota, he said his tile wasn't working and he's having all kinds of problems, and uh, we, we recommended doing some deep ripping. And when he went out there and broke through the compaction, he said, amazingly, his tile line started flowing almost immediately. Have you, have you had any of those kind of calls? You know, actually, I honestly haven't. Um, I could definitely see it being an issue, though. Um, you know, some of the older stuff, uh, if it's a cement tile or something, they, there just isn't a lot of a lot of area for that water to get into the tile itself. And, you know, it, it'll seal up sometimes if you get a lot of, you know, real heavy clay over the years. And, uh, you know, if you can open that up and uh, get, a, get the water through that hard pan and uh, create some new water passages, that, that, that I could see where that would help a lot. How about on your farm, Noah, with these wet years that we've had, what, what have you guys done to uh, to try to avoid the compaction and then also to try and fix it when, when you know there's going to be some compaction all the time? Yeah, um, I guess one of the biggest things is we just we try to keep everything as light as possible at all times. Um, multiple trips over the same spot uh, with the green cart. Um, try to just keep the problem areas small. And then, uh, and then just tiling, you know, tiling, we found out that it's actually funny we're, we're talking about this right now because last night I was talking with, uh, with, uh, an older guy and he, he had stopped my uncle was actually probing for an old tile that we had put in years ago. And that older guy stopped and talked and he, he couldn't believe how easy that probe was going in. Well, when you're on the tile, the probe goes in real nice and easy and comes out easy and you know when you're kind of getting away from it because it goes in a lot harder and uh just you know that that makes a world of difference and uh you know it it sure shows up that's for sure so how's harvest coming up in your area Noah? how much corn is left out there uh actually in our immediate area there is very little left um most of the guys have, have wrapped up here uh, probably last week, and uh, we got a couple guys still going, and a uh, lot of lot of tillage now again when it uh, since it's the frost has come out again. So, sure, sure. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of work yet to get done here before things freeze up hard. So, Noah, stay safe out there, and good luck. Thank you talking about compaction on today's show and how to fix it out in fields and man there's a lot of problems out there we're just talking with Noah up in west central minnesota and oftentimes if we can get that drainage improved uh he was talking about just right over the tie lines how much softer things were uh, down through the soil we'll, we'll talk about more strategies for you to consider right after this 
your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. Our exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. Visit your authorized FMC retailer or fmcfreedompass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more. For generations, your family has given their all to create a farming legacy. The fields now in your care are a heavy responsibility to sustain. You can't control when or how rain falls, but you can ensure your fields remain productive by taking water drainage into your own hands with the SoilMax Gold Digger Tile Plow. SoilMax Tile Plows bring a quick return in dollars, but no ROI is greater than a family's farming future. Let SoilMax ensure your greatest investment continues. Visit SoilMax.com to learn more. Hey, Bill, any advice to control tough weeds and rootworms? That's easy, Jim. Buy two, save three. Wait, for weeds and rootworms? Buy two, save three. Combine your Impact or new Impact Z herbicide purchase with a qualifying insecticide and save $3 per acre. Buy two, save three. That is good advice. For details, go to buy2save3.com. Impact, Impact Z, and buy two, save three are trademarks owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. As your corn crop grows and the ear begins to form, potassium is at a high demand, almost as high as nitrogen. The same is true for soybeans with similar high demands of potassium during pod fill. Don't fall behind and ensure your crop is getting its potassium with Catalyst. Catalyst by Actigrow has been shown to be the best at entering the leaf when compared to other leading potassium products. Visit k-supercharged.com for more information. Every flood begins with a raindrop. Every drought was once a sunny day. Every plague of insects grew from a couple of eggs, and every hurricane from a breeze. Our biggest problems start small, but what if the biggest solutions do too? At Indigo, we're using the natural microbes found on plants that survive droughts to help other plants survive them too. Visit indigoag.com grow to learn more. Indigo, from questions we grow. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Taking your calls and questions throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can find us on Twitter, Ag PhD Media. Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty, or send us an email radio at agphd.com. Let's head over to Southeast Indiana. We got Gordon with us right now. Gordon, thanks for calling. Good day, guys. Uh, happy Thanksgiving coming up. You bet. To you as well. To you as well. What you got on your mind today? My question is the micro levels that you guys have been talking about. We keep going down for the molybdenum, cobalt, silica uh, things I've heard you guys talk about over the time frame. My question is, do you have 
specific parts per million as we look on a soil test, if we get these tested, what our goals should be? Uh, those are tough ones, Gordon. So let, let's start with this. When we talk about micronutrients, we're usually discussing five main ones that have had a lot of research and they have pretty proven numbers that are out there. So we talk about zinc, copper, iron, manganese, uh, and what's the other one, Darren? Zinc, manganese, copper, boron. Sorry, oh. and boron. So those are the five. But then we say, all right, if you have already worked on your NPK, if you've already worked on your calcium, magnesium, sulfur, if you've already worked on these other five micronutrients, then you might want to start taking a look at just some other things. Because we talk to a lot of these really high-yield farmers about things like molybdenum, cobalt, and silica. So I'll, I'll start with molybdenum. That's one that is, I would say, of those three, the most proven, and a lot of people talk about that. The thing, the number one thing you have to know is it's much more available when you get into higher pH soil. So it's the opposite of almost every other micronutrient. So usually if you lime, then the availability starts to come up. But what we're looking for a lot of times is uh, maybe one part per million of molybdenum, maybe a little bit more. And the other thing you have to be a little bit careful with is that you're not overdoing some of these like molybdenum, because if you start getting too much on, then you may have some toxicity problems or something like that. So I know we've had Neil Kinsey on our show several times, and he's just said, uh, let's see, what's his thing, Darren? Seven ounces of sodium molybdate three years in a row, and that's kind of the limit for what he's seen over the years. And he has a lot more experience with it than we do, but he just said, hey, if you think you're having a problem, just try some of this sodium molybdate. It doesn't cost very much money. Go broadcast it out there. It'll move down in the soil a little bit and go from there. So that's molybdenum. Cobalt, um, not a lot of people know about that much or talk about that much, but you know that's a nutrient that's very important in livestock health. So there too, we're kind of looking for one part per million. And in a lot of our soils, I'll be honest, we, when we've tested, we found a tenth of a part per million. So we have started applying some cobalt, just very low rates, doesn't cost a crazy amount of money or anything, just seeing if we're getting results because there isn't a lot of uh, proven stuff out there showing, okay, this is for sure what you need for corn or soybeans. And silica, I take that even a, a step further than that. The challenge with silica is some of the formulations you can get, you have to be really careful in terms of human health. If you get it in you, then it could be a very bad thing. And so it's you have to be super careful. You can't just go order some silica. Somebody ships it in, you know nothing about it. You start dumping it bags in or whatever. You can't do that. You got to have a respirator on and everything else. You got to be really careful if you start experimenting with silica. We are experimenting with silica. I don't have any, you know, anything big to tell you there, but um, we're, we're going to continue talking about that one. It's just something that we're trying, experimenting with. We've heard some people that have used it, had some good results, but I don't know a whole lot more than that. Darren, do you have anything to add on molybdenum, cobalt, or silica? You know, not so much other than I, I would echo your comments that I, I would work on all the big things first. I don't think these are like any big secret thing that uh, oh boy, if you just did this, you wouldn't have to worry about N, P, or K. But uh, I do think it's something to to do a little studying on, do a little trial work on, and, and just see where you can take things. Okay. Is this something you guys think that you put, I mean, I heard you say about Neil with the molybdenum as a broadcast. Is the other yep. two, is that something in row or is that a broadcast? 
All of these things we would tell you it's probably a broadcast because we worry about just the toxicity. So you can try stuff banded. I'm, I know there are guys that try stuff banded. I'll tell you one real quick story with molybdenum where we've tried that banded or as a seed treatment. We've had issues with seed germination if you overdo it. If it's just right, everything is okay. But my concern is when you start talking really minuscule rates, you got to be super careful about what's going on there. So when we start start getting trials and looking at our trials and going, ooh, that's not good. You can see there's a, a damage to emergence, damage to germination. I mean, that's the last thing in the world that we want. So with all these things, just try them on a small scale, see what you're getting and kind of go from there. But yeah, we believe there is a little something to molybdenum, uh, probably a little something to cobalt. And we'll see on the silica. That's one where our research guys are super excited about it. And I go, well, prove it to me. Let's see. Let's find out out over time because they seem to think that, oh yeah, we're going to gain a bunch of yield and everything else and all the stuff they've been reading. It's good. But I go, yeah, I don't know. Let's, let's see. Hopefully it is, but that's the least proven of those. Molybdenum is probably the most proven of those things. But again, with molybdenum, just get your pH up. And a lot of times that solves many of the problems. Okay. All right. All right. Very good. I appreciate it. You yep. bet. Thank Thanks, you. Gordon. Yeah, great questions. All right, let's head up to uh, New York here. We got Tom Kilser with us right now, who happens to be an agronomist as well. Tom, how are you doing today? Good, yourself? Good, good. Okay, I know in your area you guys have to deal with some compaction as well, and uh, it's not the easiest thing in the world. So what what are farmers doing uh, in your part of New York, and, and is there anything revolutionary that you got? Well, the compaction is revolting, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Uh, we've had some hard horror shows here recently, and I've noticed the wet spots are getting bigger and bigger in the field. So uh, it's something that needs to be addressed. Uh, I think the Canadians are ahead of us on that. They did an excellent um, uh compaction seminar two years ago up by Guelph on all the ins and outs and compaction and it was shocking what they were getting at 20 inches down uh, the reason they were doing it is they used to put tile lines at 50 feet now they're putting them at 25 feet and they're still not working Wow! so we've been looking at it quite a bit but uh, if you think you're just going to go out there and tear it all up with a big ripper and be done with it uh, you're just fooling yourself uh, I noticed you did talk with um, a tile installer, and you've talked about strip till and cover crops. You really need a holistic approach to it. Uh, if you think you're going to come in with a silver bullet and fix it, it's not going to work. Yep, I couldn't agree more. It takes a lot of a uh, lot of different little pieces, and and also learning from from some of the mistakes as well. I know Brandon said, "Gosh, there's sometimes you just got to push it, or we're not going to get anything done." Well, even in those cases, if you can control traffic, you can at least reduce the area that that you're getting problems in. Yes, uh, you limit some of the damage that is done. You still have to get it out, but it's a little more limited than it would have been otherwise. We had talked about calcium a little bit earlier. Do you see? Do you see anything? like that making a difference for farmers in your area? That's one of those smaller differences. Um, we've got after the harvest of last year, uh, 2018, uh, it's beyond calcium when you've got ruts that are knee deep. Uh, then you, you've got a whole different issue. And what we've done is going back, uh, not saying that calcium can't help, 
but we've gone back and looked at, okay, we screwed it up. It's sort of like the boat sank in the movie Titanic, get over it. Now let's see <laughs> yep. what we can do to fix it. And so what we have really used is looking at your rotation and then using a combination of deep tillage with uh, deep-rooted cover crops. Uh, cover crops planted in the fall or uh, deep tillage and then planting legumes in the spring with their deep tap roots uh, can do more to keep stuff open because if you just rip it up, it's sort of like picking up a clot of dirt and holding it about shoulder high and letting it go. What does it do? It falls back down. Uh, but if you have a whole bunch of roots going down through that soil, then it's going to stabilize it at a much less denser uh, situation and gradually start to improve the structure in there. That is a great point. I've been talking to Tom Kilser, who's an agronomist up in New York, talking about using a holistic approach to solve soil compaction. I like it. Hey, Tom, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Okay. You're welcome. Have a good day. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. If your fertilizers aren't formulated to maximize your efficiency, if you can't mix all the PK and micros your crop needs into one prescription application, if you have to add products to improve and invigorate your soil biology, then you need to expect more from your fertilizer. With AgroLiquid's advanced technology, you can expect more, a lot more. Make the most of your crop nutrition. With AgroLiquid, to find a crop nutrition expert near you, visit agroliquid.com. If you're like most farmers, you start thinking about next year's herbicide program right now. And the first step to a clean start next spring is applying Authority MTZ-DF herbicide this fall. Nothing burns down tough winter annuals, including common chickweed, henbit, and mare's tail, like a tank mix containing Authority MTZ-DF herbicide. Talk to your FMC Star retailer about Authority MTZ-DF herbicide, or visit fmcauthority.com. Always read and follow label directions. Authority is not registered for sale or use in California. When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, the system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. Featuring Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology to manage tough-to-control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field-proven performance of Roundup ready-to-extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor herbicide brands. Always read and follow label directions. Using NSERVE nitrogen stabilizer with fall fertilizer applications keeps nitrogen available into the spring for maximum crop growth. 
Field trials in Iowa show NSERV delivered an average revenue increase of $22.96 per acre, and NSERV is the only recognized nitrogen stabilizer product in the Iowa Nutrient Reduction Strategy because it reduces nitrate leaching. That's max profit in an environmentally sustainable way. Calculate your field's profit potential at nitrogenmaximizers.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, talking about fixing soil compaction on our show today and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head out to Indiana. Hey, we, we have Tony Bailey with us right now, who's an NRCS state agronomist. Tony, how are you doing today? We're good. How are you guys? We're doing well, and we would be doing even better if we could solve the challenge of fixing soil compaction. It seems like Every year, even when conditions are good, there's a little bit of compaction. But, boy, on some of these wet years, it's a real challenge for us. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Uh, we've uh, experienced that here in Indiana. Um, the uh, fall of 18 especially um, had a lot of uh, fields that were harvested, harvested wet. And then, of course, last year um, seemed like the rain never stopped in the spring and and um, we had to get things done, and so uh, a lot of compaction continued. Well, you talk like a farmer, Tony, because you said we have to get things done, and that's that's I know on our own farm that's where we run into challenges of, man, if we don't go today, uh, when are we going to be able to get back out there? And uh, so so we did have some of those issues. We had the same thing. Fall of 2018, we couldn't get anything done in the field, and then spring of 2019 was kind of a disaster again. And uh, here we go. This fall, fortunately, we have been able to get out in some of the uh, some of the fields and fix some of the things up. The the problem. I would say the most troubling thing has been some of the deep ruts that we've seen. Is there any real fix for those? Boy, the deep ruts. Um, you know, and that's probably one of those. You know, it's it's um, it's a condition that's that's happened over um, over a long time. You know, we, we a lot of times I think want to associate it with just a, a single factor that happened. You know, a previous fall or or this spring, but. Um, it's um, it's one of those things that combinations of um, you know lots of tillage in, in previous previous years, loss of soil structure. Um, you know we're going to have uh, we're going to have those compaction problems um, and and those ruts. And so I think we want to kind of think about um, what um, you know that, that that has happened over uh, a long time as far as. Um, it, how we're going to, how we're going to address that. Yeah. I think for a lot of the younger farmers, um, looking at these types of problems and say, all right, these are things that develop over time. Situations in our field can be changed and can be improved. What are some of the, the right steps that we should be taking on farms to set ourselves up down the road for success? Yeah, sure. As, as much as, as possible. And we want to try and avoid those, those uh, field operations when uh, when the soils are wet. Um, easier said than done a lot of times. Um, we've got tillage and harvest and, and other things that have to happen, but try and stay off those as much as possible. Um, another factor in that, I think, is um, trying to avoid um, some of the trips across the field. Anytime we can reduce trips across the field um, also reduces the chances that we're having to make those trips uh, when, when the fields are wet, when the conditions aren't right. 
Um, another another piece of that is trying to reduce um, the number of secondary tillage passes as we're out there making those um, those passes. Whether it's with size of equipment we have now, um, whether it's the, the weights, um, we just we just end up with um, additional compaction challenges um, with that. <laughs> Along with that, if we're able to to avoid the weight on the equipment, and I think some of that kind of comes back to um, controlled traffic farming when when we're able to, um, if we're able to set up tracks and you know stay in those and, and try and avoid trafficking the the whole field I think all of those things can can kind of have a factor in in some of the prevention things we need to try I think that's kind of the best way to put it too that there's just so many different things that that add to this and that add to our risks and that add to the impacts of of compaction out in our fields and when we think about solving them it's not not just one thing. I mean, obviously, if we just completely can stay out of the field forever, that would be wonderful, uh, but we can't raise a crop then. So uh, to, to make it all work out, it's just a lot of right decisions along the way. Been talking with Tony Bailey in, in Indiana. Tony, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. You bet. Bye. Head over to Iowa. We've got Chris with us right now uh, who, who farms and, and also utilizes cover crops. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good. Thank you. All right. We get a lot of questions about cover crops, and today we've talked about it a little bit. Dell had called in, and he said, what about radishes? We hear about radishes uh, with that deep root system fighting compaction. What do you use on your farm, Chris? Well, um, primarily we use um, cereal rye just because ease of getting it in the ground. It's a lot more flexible. It can be colder. Um, you know, it'll, it'll handle colder temperatures. It'll start a little quicker in the spring and things like that. But, um, we also grow our own cereal rye for seed. So if we harvest that in the summer and we can get in earlier, we run a really diverse mix after that. And, uh, radishes are included in that too. So that's kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. We've, uh, we've seen a lot of fields and a lot of farmers using some radishes as part of the mix to, to get down deep and, and try to break things up. Well, I, I like what you said there too. You're raising some rye for seed production. So now that really changes up the rotation compared to a lot of your neighbors and also allows you to be in fields at different times. Yeah. And it, it gives us some flexibility. Um, it, it, it spreads out our harvest, but it also gives us a chance if we need to do some field improvements and things like that. It gives us an opportunity to, to get some of those things done um, when, like, your workers aren't busy because, you know, other people can't because they got a regular crop rotation going. You bet. You bet. Okay, so how about your area of Iowa? Uh, what have you seen the last couple of years, and how have you tried to reduce the compaction issue on your farm? Well, I mean, um, like they were saying earlier, you know, the less trips you can make, the better. Um, and, and if it's dry, it's also nice, but the cover crops help. Um, if, if we're following up, um, our rye that we grew for seed, you know, you can, we try to put our acres that have the most trouble and then, or we need to, to do some work on, uh, that's where we try to grow our rye for seed because then it gives us some opportunity to follow with some things like radishes and things like that. Um, to break up that compaction and uh and just the cover crops in general um we have some trials out that have been 
uh, in the same field where there's strips that aren't cover and strips that are, and that we're on our sixth year of that. And I can tell you just going out there with the soil probe every year to test them that it's a lot easier to put the probe in where we've been running cover than where we haven't. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And I think that is a great way to do it, running strips of each. What do you see in terms of crop production? Uh, obviously, you're noticing some differences in soil structure, which are in the long term going to pay back some pretty nice dividends. How about in the short term for guys? Are they seeing some big big changes uh, with the strips versus where, where the strips are not? Um, I can't say that we're seeing a lot of yield difference, um, at least not yet. And like I said, it's been five years right now. But I can say that, like, it does dry out quicker. Like, after rains, you can get in a little faster, especially, like, during planting because if you if you terminate pretty close to when you plant, you still have that kind of mat there, and it still takes up some of the moisture and kind of helps hold you up and things like that. Um, we're hoping uh, we're going to start trying some trials with, uh, you know, hopefully reduced uh, nutrient use and stuff like that. But... So far, we haven't seen any major differences that I can report on besides, you know, structure and health and things like that. Yeah, I think I think that's the interesting part about this too. Is is sometimes the right decisions don't necessarily come with huge dollars that that are going to be uh, improving on your bottom line. But when you look at all those things, like you mentioned, just less compaction out there and things drying out just a little bit quicker, it certainly gives you a lot wider window to farm. And honestly, that makes farming a lot more fun. Right. Yeah. And I mean, some of the benefits just not having the ditches cut down the hill and stuff like you're not necessarily going to see a yield difference from that but like it, it feels good and you're not hitting those bumps going across the field either so yeah that's for that is for sure yeah there's a lot to look at and a lot to like about that system uh chris thanks for what you're doing thanks for sharing a little bit with our listeners today really appreciate it yeah no problem thank you stay tuned you're listening to ag phd radio Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgriLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgroLiquid can help you increase yields and crop quality. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. When looking for someone to help with your risk management, a key component to look for is patience. Patience to bring you along in the process at your own speed. Patience to learn about your operation. And patience to not only discuss what strategies may be effective for your plan, but why they would be effective. That's the strength of Grain PhD. I'm Darren Hefty. When you're ready to become more engaged in your risk management, Grain PhD can assist you with that process. Visit grainphd.com to learn more. 
How do you know when to run your grain bin fans? There's an app for that. With the Steps GMS app, you can manually turn your fans on and off from your smartphone. You can also configure the Steps GMS app to automatically turn fans on when the humidity or temperature is ideal to keep your grain in top quality condition. Save yourself some time and take the guesswork out of managing your stored grain with the Steps GMS app. Contact us at stepsgms.com for more information. The Guardian Air Twin Spray Nozzle from Hypro produces a twin spray pattern with air-inducted droplets for superior coverage, even in dense canopies. Be effective and efficient with your spray application this season with the Guardian Air Twin. Hypro, helping you spray better. The last thing you want after harvesting your grain is to spoil it before it goes to market. The Grain Temp Guard from Farm Shop MFG is a low-cost bin monitoring solution that tracks temperature and humidity and alerts you when conditions exceed safe thresholds. Visit farmshopmfg.com. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Vellum is Rotam North America's Mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today, and we've been uh, talking about fixing some of the soil compaction issues that are out there. Certainly there are a lot, uh, and if your area has had multiple years of wet like ours has, you know exactly what I'm talking about, that if you just you just haven't been able to get out there to fix anything and and those problems don't get any better on their own. We, we, don't, we do get the freeze-thaw effect, and I know – a lot of our listeners in the South will say, well, you guys get freeze and, th- freeze and thaw up there. Doesn't that fix things? I've heard your frost goes several feet in the ground. Yep, it does. But when you can still find ruts from the wagon trains that went through in the 1800s, I don't think it's going to fix all the compaction, especially with some of the big equipment that we've had running Well, what there. happens is, uh, th- this is interesting that you bring this up too, Darren, because I've got a son who's a freshman in college, and he's doing in the study group. And so they called me and said, and asked that very question: "And does the freeze thaw fix compaction?" I said, "Well, you know, it does a little bit." But I said, "The main thing you got to think about is this: with the freeze thaw, it's raise and lower, so going up and down." But what we end up with a lot of times is, like you just mentioned, okay, it's tire tracks or something, and so we've got some uh, vertical compaction. Well, it doesn't go side to side, and so you don't fix that side to side kind of compaction at all. And even the raising and lowering, a lot of times all we do is raise the compaction layer and we lower it back down a little bit. So it doesn't fully bust it up. Sometimes it can, but you can't count on that to do certainly everything. But anyway, I I just want to come back to, you know, we've talked a lot about this compaction thing all day, and it's it's a hidden yield robber. So we as farmers all have to just be conscious of it, and I'm sure your dad and grandpa talked to it talk to you about it, just like my dad and grandpa talked to me about it, that, you know, we want to try to stay off the fields when they're wet. We got to get more tile in and just make sure that we've got the water table down, have more calcium out there, build your soil's organic matter. Um, and, And also the more roots you have in that soil, the better chance you have 
for um, compaction reduction as well. So it's nice when you can have something going down deep. And for that matter, even corn roots don't get a lot of credit. But you have good corn roots down there, and that helps prevent some future compaction. may not fix all your current compaction, but it can help prevent some future compaction. And certainly we've got some crops like radishes, turnips, alfalfa, that to some degree can bust through some level of compaction. So that absolutely can be good. All right, anything else in compaction, Darren? No, but we've got a couple of questions about compaction in the Ag PhD mailbag. Let's get to those in just a minute. <laughs> well, oh. so so just the back, little backstory here. So we only have one person running the controls today. It's our sister, Janelle, so we can give her a hard time. But anyway, uh, she's got, a, got this great big bench on the other side of the glass from us. And at one end is the phone, and at the other end is the controls Doesn't for Doesn't seem like IPHD it's very well mailbag. designed. Music. So we're going to get to mailbag in just a minute. Why don't we go back to the phone lines quick? Okay. I got a friend, Bo Shropshire, on uh, out in California, wants to uh, talk a little about compaction. Bo, how's it going? It's going good, Darren. And that's, uh, I understand that that uh, running back and forth is part of your uh, exercise program for Janelle, right? (laughs) It's on on wheels. Well, she can handle the running. That's that's not a problem for her. Maybe Brian and I need that a little bit more. I'm not sure. Yeah, you guys talk about compaction. I mean, obviously, we're doing the same kind of thing you guys are is, you know, trying to pay attention to our tiling and that stuff. And we've got a lot of tile here. It's too deep. But something else that we've played with, obviously, you guys do the pay attention to your calcium ratios, calcium magnesium ratios and stuff. But we've also used a product called Liquid Chisel. It's a polymer that, that solubilizes calcium and magnesium. And you can just take... We're using it about a half a gallon to three quarts per acre. Uh, we'll spray it on before rain or actually, you know, here we use irrigation. So we'll just drip it in our irrigation water. But it's interesting the way that stuff will start to fluff up the soil. And you can just take a, a small amount of stuff, put it in a, a clear plastic uh, glass, put some soil in it, half full of soil, and just put in this, uh, like a, a half a gallon rate per acre, which is obviously not very much when you're talking about a, a glass full of soil, and watch that stuff, you know, in about 30 minutes, it'll fluff up. It's the dangest thing you ever saw, guys. Interesting. Yeah, there's always new technologies out there. That's that's kind of a cool one. I uh, I don't know if that's the total fix for everything, but if it helps a little bit, oh, that, that would be a big deal. No. It, yeah, no, there's no total fix. I mean, like, like one of you, your other guys today said, there's no silver bullet. Uh, you know, you get those calcium-magnesium ratios correct. That's the best thing you can do. But, you know, when you start to kind of reduce some of those compaction deals, I've seen guys that uh, are on tillage programs actually actually pick up two gears when they're ripping, uh, go from first gear to third gear, and use a whole lot less diesel when they, when they get their calcium levels correct. You know, going to 68 to 72% uh, calcium, and and 12 to 14 mag it's uh, it's and of course we're looking at soils that were probably 60 percent calcium 22 24 percent mag and the rest is all sodium so yeah i just thought i'd mention that that you know liquid chisel product to you because it's a it's an interesting compound 
That, that is interesting. Hey, Bo, uh, since we got you on the line, we were talking with Gordon over in Indiana a little bit earlier, and he said, you know, we've mentioned from time to time molybdenum and cobalt and silica and some of these uh, really really not talked about micronutrients, at least to a large degree. Are, are growers in California watching those numbers any more than we are here? Yeah, you get, a, you get a, an occasional grower. One of the things that we look at up in the Coachella Valley where we're growing table grapes, dates, and citrus is the molly up there can be a little bit low. So we'll use a little bit of molybdenum up there. And, again, it's very, very low amounts. Uh, and those soils are probably a pH of 7, 8 to 8, 2, so it's going to immediately be available, you know. But, yeah, we've done a little bit of molybdenum up there. Uh, we haven't worked much, much with cobalt, and uh, and that's one of the things on my to-do list, you know. Yep, yep, always, always silica, learning. Silica, I, I know, you know, we, we check on silica here because we've got a, a reasonable amount of silica here because we do grow watermelons. And if you're growing watermelons, or especially watermelons, you know, if you don't have silica, you really won't have good quality watermelons. That's, that's you know, goes without saying. Yeah, that's interesting. And I, I like uh, one of the things I enjoy when we visit is just all the different crops that you get to work with. And, uh, yeah, for corn and soybean growers in the Midwest, yeah, they aren't talking about a lot of these things. Maybe Molly just a little bit as it's involved in, in nitrogen, but... But silica, not not a big topic. Nope, nope. That's Excellent. for sure. Well, appreciate All right, the, guys. Yeah, appreciate the call, Bo. You bet. You guys be good. Have a nice Thanksgiving. You bet. You as well. Thank you. All right, Janelle. Now let's head to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag. Randy from Iowa said, um, you guys mentioned today tiling could help you with reduce some of the compaction out there, and certainly it's going to take care of some of the excess water. But he said, you also mentioned cover crops, and I got thinking, we've got pattern-tiled ground, haven't done much with cover crops yet, but we've thought about it. But one of the issues we hadn't really considered before is, do you have to worry about plugging lines if you're planting these deep-rooted cover crops trying to help with compaction? No. And the reason why is because they're annual uh, annual plants. If you have perennial plants, then you have to be much more concerned about it. Now, just keep in mind, most plants are going to find your tile lines, but when they find them, by that point, it's usually a couple, three months into the growing season. They only have another, maybe couple, three months left to live. So yes, they might catch a little bit of dirt in there. It might cause a little bit of problem, but for the most part, annual plants aren't a big issue for tile lines. All right, thanks for the question. Barry from Ohio said, uh, we didn't have any big ruts that we left out in the field for the most part, but we did have some compaction we made with our planter with sidewall compaction. Is there anything different that you're doing to try to avoid that other than just waiting to plant? Right, that's pretty much it. Like we talked about today, tile, organic matter, calcium, do those things and you're in better shape. I would also say it's helped us a lot when we've gone to strip till compared to no-till because now it's a little bit drier in that zone and warmer is the big key in that zone too. So then it does dry out just a little bit faster. So that has helped us compared to when we used to do lots of no-till. I'm not saying you can't no-till or anything else, but I'm just saying sometimes we were getting ourselves into a little more trouble back then. Hey, thanks for the question. Really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. 
Now stay tuned for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio. <laughs> 